Good morning and welcome to this week's episode of the Limitless Landscapers podcast. I'm Paula, your host, and this week I'm talking about leadership. Now, it's not something that I think about in my business. It's probably not something that you think about in your business, but I actually went on a workshop yesterday and it was quite interesting, very good pointers to help move your business forward. If you're really keen on growing your landscaping business and making it different to how, you know, traditionally probably, or making it different to how your current business runs, then leadership is actually a very, very key point. So if this interests you, come on over and listen to the show. As the co-founders of the Landscaper Circle, we help you get more money, time and freedom to become limitless through our experiences as fellow landscapers and our tried and tested methods. If you want help with your marketing, managing or growing your business, you've definitely come to the right place. If you're a landscaper, garden designer or supplier to the industry, then hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Yes, I'm talking leadership. I'm talking about the impact it can have on your business. So why is this important? Well, I went on a course yesterday face-to-face, which is lovely because I got to network with new people and meet some lovely people who are all building their businesses. And it covered leadership and development. And I kind of wanted to go on it because I know where I am not so great as a leader. And actually, when we were looking at leadership styles, I am more biased towards the autocratic way, which is essentially tell people what to do, when to do it, how to do it. And that's the end of my way or the highway. And I know that this has an impact on my business and my staff. And it's come at a very opportune time because I'm very perfect time because I'm starting to have appraisals with my team members and I've actually got one today if you're listening on Wednesday it's today and we have not been getting along so there's been a bit of friction between myself and this person and I hate to say it but I will admit when I'm in the wrong and I think it's because of my style of leadership so going on this course was perfect and I wanted to share with you this amazing stuff that I've learned about leadership because I think you'll be surprised at just how important it is to think about in your landscaping or design business. Whether you're at the beginning of your journey or whether, like me, you're 13 years in and you're trying to rebuild a business and grow it and change the direction it's going in in quite a significant way, then it's for you. It's for basically any business. And it's something that we don't think about because it's a bit like systems and processes. It can feel a bit boring, can feel like, well, what's the point? And it can also feel like, well, when I do this, it feels like a bit of a waste of time. Nothing's going to change. And, you know, it won't. If you have that mindset, let's, you know, remember what I've spoken about in multiple podcasts and over on Instagram and within TLC over time and your mindset is really really important so how you were thinking about things and how you were responding to things is super important and so if you go in thinking that this is going to be a load of rubbish 
it's not going to work for you, then it won't. But if you go in with a bit of an open mind, like I did yesterday, because even I was thinking yesterday morning as I was driving, because I had to drive somewhere and meet with people. And I actually enjoyed it when I was there. But originally I was like, Am, is this really going to help my business? Should I be spending this time doing the stuff that needs to be done? And we can all get into this mindset and frame of mind where we think, I can't take time out of being on the tools or doing the payroll or getting this marketing stuff done or getting these quotes out because that's really important now. So I'll forget about that webinar or that training or that in-person networking event because really I probably won't get anything from it. And that's the kind of frame of mind I was in at the beginning. And then I went and I opened my mind and I thought, Do you know what? There's a reason I'm big on manifestation, big on the universe giving me clues. And there's a reason that I've had the opportunity to do this twice, had to cancel once because I had to go and see my father who, who had been in hospital or was in hospital at the time. And this time was an opportunity. And I want you to think about that. What opportunities are presenting themselves sometimes multiple times over that you're not taking and there must be a reason for this. I wholly believe this was meant to be yesterday because it wasn't just about leadership as in thinking about ourselves, our leadership styles and how we can adapt. It was also about managing staff and recruiting staff and it got me thinking. I wanted to share some, you know, learnings from yesterday because I think it would help you in your business. The first things first, now I'm going to be referring to my notes. So if you see me looking across it, that's what it is, because there was a lot I took on yesterday I wrote down because I really wanted to get the most out of it and really then be able to share this with you guys. Because as I was learning, I was like, oh my God, this is definitely the podcast this week. And it's all about how you build teams. And I think if you're anything like me, you recognize your skill gap. So you know if you need a skilled landscaper, if you need someone to do soft landscaping, if you need someone who's good with decking, for instance, or you might just need a laborer, you might need a site manager, et cetera, et cetera. The list goes on. You know your skill gaps because you are the business owner. You know where the gaps are. But when you get those team members in, you do the interviews, you bring them in, they do their trial days, they fit well, they're a match, they go in and then you let them go off and get on with it. You know, we had a, a bit of a joke there yesterday about onboarding processes and I don't know about you, but mine's very limited at this present moment in time. It's not that it's not there, it's just that it's not documented and it could be better. And this is the thing I want you to think about as you're listening to this podcast, what could be better in your business as I'm going through these things that you might want to consider. And the first thing that we covered was having a shared purpose and vision. Now, you may not have even looked at or thought about your true vision for your company. You may not have thought about what's important to you for values, because what links into your vision is your values. What's important to you as a business owner and as a person, what are your high values that, you know, what do you value the most? What are your top three? And then how that can integrate into the values of the business, because you've still got to be your authentic self. So trying to make your business distant from your own personal values will not work. So they kind of need to integrate. As an example, values that I want in my business, you know, are to be, let me just go and have a look at my list of, because they provided some really helpful things here, but 
you know, something that I think is a very important value for my business is excellence. But I also feel that about myself. I want to be the best. I want to be an excellent mother, a business owner, a wife. Something else that I found really important is time freedom. Time freedom is important to me. And, I, and that's what I want my business to give me. And reputation was a really important value for my business as well. So that's just a couple I want to share. But essentially, you can have a look at values. You know, they, they go from anything from freedom, adventure, achievement, excellence, expertise, money, nature, open and honest, work under pressure. There's lots. If you look up values, you will find somewhere to start. But it's really important to think about your values and how they then tie into your business vision. And then the important thing is communicating that with your team or the better part, which is something that I'm going to take on board with my management team. I'm taking on a new guy that's going to sit as part of the management team in August. So that's exciting. We're going to sit down and have a vision meeting. So we're going to have a look at values and vision and come up with a shared vision of the company, some shared values that we can then drive forward and filter down to the, to the teams below. And that is really important. It's something I haven't ever done. I've always sat on my own or with Mike, created a vision, decided what it was, put it out there, not really communicated it very well, and then expected my team to know what the vision for the company was. And I think it's something that we don't think about. Vision and values and purpose are really, really important, yet we do not communicate it very well to the team as a whole. And I think that is really, really important. So having a shared vision is the goal now. So that's one step, one action that I'm going to take on board. Then we were looking at teams. When a team works really well, it's when they have a shared vision and purpose, when they know what's happening. So it's all about communication. So my number two is communication. And I know it's a basic thing and we have to do it, but I'm really bad. I haven't put in clear boundaries. So the, when we have conflict, it's when they're texting me on WhatsApp. So I'm interpreting their messages incorrectly. They're interpreting me incorrectly. It escalates. Whereas if there was a boundary where it's only phone calls or emails, you can respond accordingly. You can take a breath before responding. And communicating the wider, you know, what you're trying to get done in the business. So for instance, team meetings, we've taken our foot off the pedal with team meetings because it's been super busy. We've got one guy going off for paternity leave. We've got subbies that are in, you know, there's a lot going on, but it's a piss poor excuse not to have a regular meeting with your team because this is where you can communicate what you want to be done, what needs to be better and how we are working towards that bigger vision in the business. And one thing that I'm going to take away from yesterday when it comes to team meetings is to communicate the agenda in advance. So normally I set an agenda, I keep it to myself, I turn up at the meeting, they're all surprised what we're covering. You know, they might not be surprised in some aspects, but and I don't give them the chance to then bring anything to the meeting. I do ask them if you want, you know, do you have anything to say? But, you know, it's there in response to that meeting and that agenda that they knew nothing about. So I'm now going to give out agendas at team meetings before performance reviews. And I'm going to change the word from performance to progress because performance is a really negative connotation. It, you're going in there negatively. Progress is a much more positive word and it is discussing the progress that they're going to have in their career, their job role, whatever you want to call it. But essentially communicating 
the agendas in advance and asking them in advance if they have anything they want to bring to the table is really, really important. Number three is setting the boundaries. Now, like I've just explained to you, I haven't set some clear boundaries on how I wish them to communicate with me. Um, and essentially, this is what's got to go into place. Boundaries around my time, boundaries around their time. I've had an instance lately where they think it's okay to contact me when I'm on annual leave, but I am obviously do not contact them on their annual leave. So that's just a basic boundary to put back into place and make sure it's stuck to. Same as communication, same as when you set meetings and then you cancel them. That just ruins relationships. So setting meetings and sticking to it is key. And then we go into number four, which is objectives and goal setting. So when you are having these meetings and these progress reviews, it's a very, very good idea to set some objectives and to make them smart. So specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. This is really important because then you can track progress because you will have some specific objectives that you've set for people to achieve so it's really good for when you're coming back to your next appraisal your next meeting they've got to be very clear so the message has to be very clear you've got to manage people's expectations this should also reduce conflict because people will know what each person is doing in the team and as i've said it will help assess performance now there is another element to this where other items that you could do is pay someone else to do things. And this is kind of what I've spoken about previously. But if you can outsource something and it's worthwhile monetary wise and you can afford it, go for your life. But it's really important to keep objective setting and goal setting and giving your team clear tasks to do and clear objectives to progress. Because if people don't see the progression, they're less likely to stay. And ultimately, we need to keep these people if they're great you need to make them greater if they're good make them great and then we need to keep them because it's a lot cheaper to keep an employee than it is to get a new one and you know we were looking at this seminar yesterday and it was very interesting to look at the different types of generations so we're looking at millennials versus baby boomers versus generation z and all of this it was really really interesting because they were suggesting that you should think about what they get motivated by and there's lots of things you can do which are things that i'm going to look at in my business like motivational maps to find out people's innate motivations because it's not always money there's other stuff underneath they might say money but underneath there's more layers and there's more innate desire and a lot of that can be linked to their generation what generation they fall into and they're also personality tests now when i had a sales team back 20 odd years ago, I used to utilize personality tests in my recruitment process. And this was because I knew what personality type fitted with me. I'm a red. If you go on the color one, it's red, yellow, green, and blue. I knew I was the red, so I was the sales manager. And then I needed greens and yellows. Didn't want blues because they were too, they were more suited to admin roles, accountancy. They're very, you know, they like to dot the I's, cross the T's. I needed the yellows and the greens that could talk to people that could sell. I even tried recruiting a red because I thought driven, ambitious, 
you know, perfect salesperson, but unfortunately they clash with me. So I utilize personality tests within my recruitment in my sales team, but I've never thought to do it in my landscaping business. And I'm now starting to think that utilizing personality tests might not only give me an idea of who will work well together personality wise, because we all know you can get those people that just don't gel, but also it would be really helpful for them, me to know their personality. So I know how to manage them and lead them better. And that's really important because how we manage our staff depends on how well we get them working, how motivated they are, how much they love working for you. Because if you manage them poorly, because you haven't understood what they're motivated by, they don't feel heard or listened to, then that's when you are losing staff. And we all know landscaping as a whole is quite a high turnover business. So think about things that you can utilize in your landscaping business. Could you look at personality testing? I mean, you can get them for free online and just utilize them in your recruitment processes. And it basically then will help you with your management and leadership style, which is obviously the key to a successful business. That was a really big thing that we covered yesterday and a really big thing for me that things that I have utilized in past roles that have worked excellently, I've never thought to use in the landscaping world, which just blows my mind. So it's just sometimes the simple things, a reminder of why you use something and how well it worked. And then we went into sort of recruitment as well. So we went into recruiting people correctly. And again, they actually said to think about your recruitment in response to generations as well. So what generation are you looking to recruit? For me, it's more millennials because that's the age range. Millennials and the next one, I can't remember what the generation is after that. I'll have to have a look at that and put it in the show notes. But essentially... I need to make my recruitment entice those type of people. So it's no good me writing my ads and job descriptions in order to entice, I don't know, the baby boomers, because that's not the age group I'm going for. I need to really think about who I'm trying to target and what motivates them. And that is the difference. And I think this is going to be quite an interesting change in the way I'm going to begin recruiting, because I'm going to have a look at rewriting my job adverts and also job descriptions because I need to really start defining what I need in a person for my business what's really important and then look outside of the box have other ways of recruiting people so they sort of mentioned that there's now newer non-traditional hiring practices such as going after retirees students part-time job shares stuff like that which sometimes you don't think about because you say it won't work in my business but it's very important to think about if your recruitment process isn't working, then we need to look at a way to make it work better. Yes, they identified the recruitment process in this training. And I thought I'd share just in case you want to review your recruitment process and see if there's something you could or would like to change. And they were saying the first things first is to identify your true skills gap. As I mentioned earlier, Who exactly are you looking for skill-wise? And also, who are you looking for in the ideal candidate? So this is truly your ideal candidate. And that is then in the job description that you create for that ideal candidate. Then you need to devise a recruitment plan. So 
where are you going to find these people? Is there some normal avenues that you go down, such as Indeed? I know we all love a bit of Indeed. Could you get referrals from existing staff? Could you see if there's anyone out there looking to change job role? Could you look for apprentices? Yeah, the world is your oyster. Is there any out of the box ideas that you can think of to recruit new people? And then you need to obviously get the ads out, start marketing the crap out of your job vacancy. And then shortlist, create your shortlist. And a few tips they said was to get back to people quickly, which is something that I'm sometimes guilty of not doing. And also letting people know if they haven't got the job quickly and have a valid reason as well just in case they ask for feedback on that. And then it's all about conducting the interviews. I would personally say phone interviews rather than face-to-face initially, and then obviously go down the route of face-to-face and you know trial days and things. And then it's making your choice. And once you've made your choice, perhaps then you check their references. I am again guilty of this. I do not check references. I haven't even asked references for a long time. So that could be a key change for my recruitment strategy and then given a formal job offer again I sometimes lack in this I say they've got the job and then it takes a while for the paperwork to come out so these are just things for you to think about in your recruitment process and to think about what you want to change and then you need to look at the onboarding process now this is something that I think we could all tweak all improve and they say that It's a really good way to create buy-in. It's important because it gives the new member of staff added confidence because you know what you're doing. They know what they're doing. It gives them structure and it sets the scene for what will be their job role. And for the company, it it puts the company, it's first impressions of your company. So, you know, it creates buy-in. It shows that you're looking at development and training It's just a case of mapping out the process and then putting it into place. So that, again, is something that I'm going to personally look at in my business as well. And I'd be interested in your thoughts. If you are already doing a fantastic onboarding process, please share, because this is the way we all progress. So sharing our experiences and sharing what works is really key. So if you do, please drop me an email, paula at thelandscapescoach.co.uk with your onboarding process or what works for you it'd be really interesting to find out what works for people because sometimes we can all say well it doesn't work in this industry it doesn't work for this business and you know I reckon it will but it means a little bit of effort anyway and finally I'm going to draw this podcast to a close on the leadership styles and overviews now I started with this I started with going through my leadership style and how it impacts on my business now It'd be really interesting for you to do a leadership. I'm sure if you Google it, you can find a leadership questionnaire to find out your leadership style. Just Google, how do I find out my leadership style? I'm sure there's a free quiz. We did the quiz in the session yesterday, which was great. And essentially, there's four types that we went through. There's actually a couple more he was saying, but the four that we went through was the autocratic, participative, situational and delegative now the key is once you know what you are you can then work on your style in order to manage your staff better which is that not something we all want an easier life 
How many times do you say your staff is your headache? I question that perhaps it could be leadership. It could be linked to the leadership style. And the autocratic is very directive. So it just wants compliance from employees. It's the do as I tell you style. It's my highest highest style so essentially you rate yourselves in numbers you total up the numbers and then it will tell you who's your style now you will probably fall into one or two styles and both of them have this you know all leadership styles have different effects on your employees and it depends on the personality of your employees it depends on how far in your employees are whether they're long-standing employees early employees whether they've got loads of experience, not much experience, etc. So you have to bear that in mind. But essentially, we will talk about the autocratic directive type style, which is what I've just gone through, the participative style, which is where you get participate like a participative approach from your employees. So you're always asking other people to come in and it creates a level of harmony in employees because they feel listened to because they are participating in said decision making, in said goal setting, etc. So it's very much drawing the people together. Situational, which was my second highest leadership style, and that is when you can actually change your style to suit the situation. So when the situation changes and it calls for a different leadership approach, apparently I'm pretty good at that. So essentially, if you went from a safety perspective for instance if there was a health and safety issue you'd have to go straight into authoritative directive leadership to say what needs to be done stop now this is it because it's a case of health and safety and keeping your employees safe whereas if you are having a discussion about vision and goal setting perhaps you need to be a more participative leader and then it was delegative so this is where you find it easy to delegate to people you can create a task and then delegate out quite easily and if you want to know more, I mean, there's actually six leadership styles. He focused on those four. But please, you know, go and have a look at leadership styles, because once you can identify yourself where you sit, you know your pros and cons. And then if you can identify the type of people in your teams, maybe by using motivational maps to find out their motivations or looking at personality testings or just knowing that they respond better to this way than this way, then you can you know, change your style to suit them and get the best out of them. Because ultimately what we're working to is a super productive team that gets jobs done on time to budget and to a high quality. You're looking at getting them all working together so there's no conflict in the team because then you have to go into conflict management, which can be a hassle in itself. And that requires a different level of leadership and a different level of management approach it's really key to get all the team on board and working together for one common goal because that's ultimately the way that we grow our businesses and keep employees happy keep them motivated and achieve the vision and goals of our business that we set ourselves so i personally think after attending that session that it's really important to think about your leadership style and it's really important to think about management procedures because often we feel, and potentially probably not me so much, but Mike definitely does, he is constantly adapting his leadership style, depending on where he is, what his role is of the day, and what staff he's with. And essentially, he has never had any formal management training, leadership training, anything of that, but yet he is, you know, the pinnacle of the business. 
He is driving the business forward. Yes, me too. But he's there at the forefront with the guys most of the time. So it's really important to think about management techniques, leadership styles and stuff like that. So you can get the best out of them because we are not taught this when we set up our landscaping businesses. Most of the time, we are landscapers, we are designers, we are horticulturalists that have a passion to do the job that we've been doing and we set up on our own and we think it's going to be a breeze. It's clearly not a breeze. And part of that is because we don't understand leadership management and all of that jazz. So this is why I think it's really important even to just dip your toe in, to find out a bit more, basically to see how we can really get the most out of our teams, recruit better so that we're not continually recruiting and to drive people forward to the ultimate goal in your business, whatever that looks like for you. So that's it for today. Now, I'm going to be covering some of these in my mastermind. So if you haven't already heard, I do have an up-level your landscaping business mastermind or leveling up. And we are starting in July is our first mastermind meeting. So if you are looking to join a group of really motivated, really committed landscapers who are leveling up their businesses and leveling up their selves in the process, you need to get in touch just drop me an email paula at the landscaperscoach.co.uk and we can organize a quick call to see if we suit each other if you'd be a great fit for my group i have two spaces left on that particular mastermind and then i'll be starting a waitlist for the next mastermind that i will launch later in the year it's really good if you are looking to get that extra one-to-one -one help as well because alongside the mastermind which is the group led meeting that we'll be having every eight weeks we do a sort of almost weekly daily update within slack which is great because i can keep in contact with all the guys that are within my mastermind and make sure they are actually getting on with the tasks at hand that they are focused that they are inspired and motivated and achieving them goals or taking steps towards achieving their goals and leveling up themselves and their business in the process you also get one-to-one -one coaching with me. Who wouldn't want that? So if that's of interest to you, do get in touch. It'd be great to work with anyone that's looking to level up. Um, and we will be having our first guest webinar talking all about systems. So if you are part of the mastermind, you get access to that. I will be delivering the date soon. So if you want in on that, join the mastermind, come on board on my one-to-one -one coaching. So I think that's it for today. I'm still super inspired. I'm going to see how this new Paula, new approach transpires in the business going forward, especially in my meeting today. So wish me luck and I will see you same time, same place next week. See you later, guys.